Let's do this, guys and gals. Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to take a brief look this morning at what it is to serve Jesus by serving others. Uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 3 if you'd like to this morning. And uh, I want to take just a moment and speak to our hearts about this purpose of serving, why we serve, and, 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 and how Jesus views our, our serving and, and what it does in our relationship to the Lord when we choose to serve other people. Now, we have been heavy for the last several weeks into talking from Scripture and, and, and history in our nation about the great awakenings, the move of God's Spirit, and revival and great outpourings that have happened uh, in, our in our nation's history and in Israel's history and in the history of the church. And, and I wanna, uh, we're going to kind of stay with that, but, but I, I asked the Lord this week, I said, okay, Lord, so we've been heavy on revival. I'm cool stepping back and doing a, a simple message on serving. And then he said, well, serving is a part of this revival that you and your church have been praying for. And then he began to show me a little bit about how that works. The, the understanding of, of revival is a, is, a, is a move of God that awakens the church and awakens the, the sleeping church or the backslidden church or awakens the, 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 the people who, who, who know God but, but have kind of lost the life of God and, and the purpose that God has called them to. And, and then he brings this, this revival, this renewal, this, this awakening. And as I thought about it, I realized that when we think of revival, and we talked about several of these historic revivals, we think of this sweeping move of God, this wave of God moving across our nation. We saw the Jesus people movement. We talked about it from the West Coast. It started, and then it moved its way across the entire United States in the 70s and early 80s. We think of uh, multitudes of souls. We see these grandiose things when we think of revival, when we see the multitudes of people healed and saved, and, and that is revival, sweeping move of God across our nation, that's a part of revival. We think of the Holy Ghost doodads that run up and down your back when there's a, a little special move of God, and, and we get those sometimes too as a part of revival. That, By the way, if you got Holy Ghost doodads, doesn't mean you got revival. It could mean the air conditioning is just a little too high or a little too low for you in the sanctuary, but we do get excited when the Spirit of God is moving and when this revival comes, but something that accompanies revival that uh, maybe we don't think as much about because it's not as grand and it's not as big. It's this idea that when the church awakens to the activity of God, the Spirit of Christ Jesus moves the church to reach, to reach out, to want to see these souls saved, these multitudes healed. And, and we, have to, we have to reach out to make that happen. Uh, you know, for Victory Family Church, as some of you are really new to Victory Family Church because of quarantine and all this and meals and stuff. We haven't had our, our newcomers launch or our newcomers get acquainted uh, class uh, in several months now. But one of the things when we're able to do that that you discover as you learn about Victory Family Church and what we believe God's put us here to do is that our, our vision is that we are here to influence every home and every heart in this community for Christ Jesus. To influence the spiritual atmosphere of every home and of every heart. That means the bottom line we believe Jesus has put us here to be his light and to be salt, to influence. Both are influencers, and we're here to be that influence for people. And then we have this four-point mission statement that says, so how do we, Victory Family Church, do that? And the first part of our mission in influencing the climate of every heart and every home of this community is, first of all, 
we reach out with the love of Jesus Christ. That's at the core base of everything Victory Family Church is about. Has been that way for almost 25 years now. Next January, we celebrate 25 years as a church influencing this community and reaching out with the love of Christ. That means we reach out beyond our comfort zones. We reach out beyond those who look like us or think like us or act like us. We reach out beyond prejudice. We reach out beyond bias. We reach out with the love of Christ. Love of Christ breaks down barriers that allows the gospel of Jesus Christ to go deep into hearts and produce salvation. And that's why Jesus came. We open those doors with acts of love, reaching out with the love of Christ. That's what we're doing today. We're believing that today hearts will be open. They're going to get a turkey and they're going to get a box of food to feed a family of four or five. But we're believing that more than just feeding their family, hearts are going to open. Because we're going to pray together as one voice and one heart for these families. We're believing those hearts are going to open to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each one of those boxes will have a, a piece of paper in it that uh, talks about giving thanks in a time when it's a difficult time. And it talks about the gospel in a very kind of roundabout way without it being, oh, well, I've heard this before kind of thing. So we're believing that God's going to open hearts through that. So uh, this morning I want us to look at Luke chapter 3 real quick, just kind of as a, as a basis for why we serve others, why we serve Jesus by serving others. Now, this is a little weird or a little awkward because this is about John the Baptist. Now, remember, John the Baptist wore camel hair outfits, and he ate honey off the trees. And, uh, man, he was just like up in your face. He wasn't passive-aggressive. He was just aggressive-aggressive. So watch what happens here in verse 7 of, Ch of Luke chapter 3. It says, he, John the Baptist, then said to the crowds, they're coming to be baptized. He says, said to the crowds who came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers. Okay, John, welcome. Thank you. Good morning to you too, friend. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Okay. Therefore, watch this. This is important. Produce fruit consistent with, say it with me, repentance. Produce fruit. If you're going to come out to be baptized for the repentance of your sins, you better come out of the water ready to think different, act different, and do different. Produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, wait a minute, we don't need this. We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these stones if he wants to. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 10. What then should we do? That's their response. You say we should have acts of fruit of repentance. What is that, John? What do we need to do? And then in verse 11, he says, The one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. What John is saying is, look, the acts of repentance have to do everything with you getting your eyes off of yourself and getting your trust off of your religious practice and getting it on others. And so that's what happens when revival happens. Do you remember when you first gave your heart to Christ and you were born again? 
most likely for all of us, I, I know I saw it in my own life, there was this turnaround of everything being about me, and all of a sudden, I could see people in a different light, and I had this, this compassion that I had never had before. And I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I had this thing happen with me, and I see it happen with a lot of folks when they get saved. Is, uh, I even had this move in my spirit to go back to people that I knew I had wronged as a heathen who didn't know how to do anything different but wrong them. But I felt compelled to go make it right. So John says, look, there's this change that happens. And one of those things is you get your eyes off yourself. You set your eyes on, on others. It becomes about others and, and not you. So our Christian faith, he says, look, they, you, you say Abraham is your father. That's cool. What he's saying is, look, don't rely on your religion. Get your eyes, get your eyes set right. So we're going to reach out with the love of Christ. Three things right here real quick about us serving Jesus by serving others. Number one, we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving others for him. We're never more like Jesus than when we stop, put down the hymn book, and step out to serve the needs of others. Here's case in point. Matthew 20, verse 28. Jesus says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to say it with me, serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. Yes, I'm the Son of God. I am the King of kings, and I am going to be crowned Lord of Lords, but I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. And at the fullest extent of his serving was his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Doing for us what we needed desperately, but that we could never do for ourselves. He chose to do for us. To serve our greatest need. To exemplify prior to the cross at the Last Supper, just hours before he's going to be arrested and put into um, torture and, and the persecution and then the crucifixion. He, has the, he celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples and, and he washes their feet. And here you have God in flesh stooping down to take the sandals off of the dirty, smelly, skanky-toed feet of the disciples and he washes them. And he says, I, I do this as an example. What you've seen me do, be ready to do for others. So Jesus is a servant all the way through and through. And so I present to you that we are never more like Jesus than when we're serving others for him. The second truth about serving others, serving Jesus by serving others is this. We're never more on mission with Jesus than when we're serving others with him. We're never more like Jesus or on mission with him. We're never more doing the work of Jesus that we're called to than when we're serving others. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, before he ascends to heaven after his resurrection, he tells the disciples, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will do my work of the kingdom. How? By this spirit that's going to come upon you. You will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. But he starts with their hometown. He starts with their present locale, and that is Jerusalem. And so I present to you that we are never more on mission doing the work of Jesus than when we're serving the needs of other people. 
You see, we, uh, we worship Jesus because we know what he's done for us. We worship him. We pray. We seek him. We learn from his word and we learn to grow in him and we're learning to be changed and transformed day in and day out by him. But the greatest thing that takes place in our lives that makes us most like Jesus and doing the work of Jesus is when we, when we serve the needs of others. In Matthew 5, verse 16, he says this in the Sermon on the Mount. In the same way, let your light shine before others, watch this, so that they may see your good works and they may give glory to your Father in heaven. He says that they may see what you do that points to God. You know, on Thursdays, we've had the privilege for over three months now, almost every Thursday. There's been a few of the trucks didn't arrive, but we've been able to provide simple little boxes of produce and vegetables and some dairy product to families that pull in. We get about 98 boxes each Thursday, and most families end up taking two or three boxes, or they're getting some for neighbors and stuff. Too. We're cool with all that. doesn't matter to us. But we stop, and we ask them if we can pray for them. And invariably, most of them are praying for jobs. They're praying for, for, for direction for a job, or they're praying for healing for a loved one. And it's a very, very special time that we get to have with those individuals. But when I pray, when, and I get the privilege to be a, one of the ones who prays from time to time. There's others in the team that do praying as well. But one of the things I pray is, Lord, let this, and I say this so they hear it and understand that this box, Lord, though as simple as this little box of produce is, may it be a reminder to them today that you know exactly where they are and you are the God who will take care of them in every way. And my prayer is that they begin to realize God knew where they were. God knew what they needed. And it's not going to feed a whole big family, but it's going to help. But it's an opening to an opportunity. And I want them to know that. I want them to see God hasn't forgotten about you. Man, you're here because he knows right where you are. Then the third truth is this. We're never closer to Jesus than when we're serving others because of him. We're never more like him. We're never more on mission than when we're serving others. But we're also never closer to Jesus. Yeah, we worship. We pray. You worship. You have your quiet time at home, man. You feel the presence of God. You come in this sanctuary, and we worship. We pray, and then we stay after service is over, and we worship some more. And, and you sense the presence of the Lord, and you're moved, and you're touched. And we're, we're believing God's moving us to a, to a true revival in, in, in coming moments in our lives. And, and we sense the presence of God. We sense the goodness of God. We feel the love of Jesus when we come in this place. And, and yet I believe that perhaps the closest we ever feel to Jesus is when we're serving the needs of others for him. Matthew chapter 25. Now this is about Jesus talking about the end times. It has a heavy correlation to Israel in the end times. But I think there's an application for the church in any season. Jesus says there's a king. And he, he brings the, the sheep and the goats together. And, and he's going to judge them based on what they did with what they knew and what they had. And he says this. He, he, he separates them and he says this. Verse 35. The king says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we ever see you as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and close you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Verse 40, he says, and the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. What you do for others in the name of Jesus to help them, to value them, to touch their hearts, to meet a need. Jesus says, when you do that, you, you've done that to me. On the flip side of that, let me remind you about uh, the apostle Paul when he was Saul before he became an apostle. Remember, he was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ, and he was even on the road to Damascus to arrest Christians and bring them back for a trial, and he was persecuting the Christians. And when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he was knocked off his horse and he was blinded, he's there, and Jesus speaks to him, and he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, who was, who was he arresting? People, Christians. Jesus was saying, look, Paul, when you do that to them, you're, you're attacking me. And on the flip side of that, he says, when you serve others for me, you're, you're doing that for me. You're doing that for me. Jesus loves them. Jesus cares for them. Every family that will come through here today, Jesus loves them. He died for them. He cares for them. He wants to meet their spiritual needs. If it means meeting a physical need that opens the door to the spiritual healing that they need, he says, Victory Family Church, let's do this thing. And I have to say that I'm super proud of you guys. And I don't mean that in a bad way that, you know, well, Pastor, you're not supposed to have pride. No, I'm just telling you, you guys have done incredible. We needed $2,500 to do 50 baskets. We've actually, you guys and some uh, organizations in the community have helped us. Uh, $4,600 that has been given toward the baskets. We couldn't even... We couldn't even get enough product to use all of that money. So some of that is going to go to some Christmas outreach that we will do as well. If you gave and you don't want yours to go to Christmas outreach, then, then let me know and I will gladly uh, get that back to you. We have to use it for outreach because that's exactly what you gave it for. But it will still be used this year to be a blessing. And so I'm excited about what you've done. But bottom line is this as we close. When Jesus was ready to feed 5,000 men plus their wives and children, all he needed was something to be placed in his hands and he would take care of the situation. Apparently, they could only find a young boy with a sack at lunch that had two fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus took that, he blessed it, and they fed 20 plus thousand people with 12 basketfuls left over. You see, all Jesus needs is something in his hands and he'll bless it. He will make a miracle happen. Here's what I have prayed this week. Here's what we're about to pray. That these boxes are our sack lunch today. By the way, we do have box lunch for you too. But these boxes for Thanksgiving meal are our sack lunch put into the hands of Jesus when we put them in the trunks of those cars today. 
And Jesus can do a miracle in those homes. And we're going to pray that today. We're going to ask the Lord, make that happen in these homes, Father. We're never more like Jesus than when we're serving. We're never more on mission with Jesus than when we're serving others. And we're never closer to Jesus than when we serve the needs of others. Who's ready to get close to Jesus today? Who's ready to do the work of Jesus today? Who's ready to be known by Jesus and know Jesus more today? I am.